episode number 35 of Michael McCurry Live with Brother David Sloan. I appreciate, sir, you taking the time in the midst of, I'm sure, a busy class period. And as school there at Golden State kicks off, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with us for a few minutes, sir. It's my pleasure. It's an honor to be with you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Now, for inviting you, me. Yes, sir. You were kind enough to do something similar to this with uh, an old, uh, older project I had called Missions Monday and things like that. And I talked to you about uh, your background in missions, and we'll dabble with that just a little bit. Um, but if you wouldn't mind, give uh, folks that may have no idea who I'm talking to a little bit of a glimpse into who you are, just your, your bio in short. Yeah, so my name is David Sloan, and I was born in Mexico. My grandparents were missionaries, uh, Dr. and Mrs. L.H. Ashcraft. They went there in 1959. My mother is the oldest of four children. She was 16 at the time whenever she went to Mexico. And so she basically grew up in Mexico. Lord called her to be a missionary to Mexico. And so she served there with my grandfather, at Mount Hebron Baptist Ministries, the church, as well as the institute. And she was basically his secretary. And uh, she also studied in the secular world uh, to become an elementary teacher. So she was a public school elementary teacher in Mexico while she was single, living with mom and dad, serving there in the ministry, and just waiting for uh, a man of God to come and serve with her because she felt a call to ministry in Mexico to stay there. So a doctor was serving in Louisiana, Tom Sloan. He was a pediatrician. And he had been saved when he was 16 years old in Duncan, Oklahoma, and uh, grew up there, went to University of Oklahoma Medical School, and then uh, went to Louisiana, was doing his internship, residency, serving there. But while he was doing that, he had a heart for missions as well. And so he was uh, Dr. L.H. Ashcraft invited him to Monterey, Mexico, to see the ministry. And so he did, fell in love with the ministry, fell in love with the missionary's daughter. And God called him to be a missionary. And so he came back, finished up his internship and residency. They were married. And then they went to the field a few years later. And Amen. so they served in Mexico together for nearly 35 years. And he passed away in Mexico. My mom continue serving there. So got my mother still there. I have seven brothers and sisters, all of whom are serving in some capacity in ministry, most of them on the mission field. And uh, then I've got cousins, uncles, and uh, all kinds of family members serving the Lord in the mission field. And all of that because of uh, Dr. L.A. Trashcraft giving his life to be a missionary to Mexico. Well, so I was born as the son of missionaries, grandson of missionaries. At the age of 16, graduated, came out to go to Bible College, Oklahoma Baptist College in Oklahoma City. And there I met uh, Jolene Forsyth at the time. She was a bus kid and uh, she had grown up there in the ministry, uh, was reached by the bus ministry at the age of four. Just an amazing story there of God's grace and went through the elementary Christian school, junior high, high school. And then we met, she came to college. She felt the Lord also leading her into missions. 
And uh, then we were married in 2000 and then went on deputation. And in 2002, went to the former Soviet Union to serve there in Ukraine, served there for 10 years, paperwork, uh, visa, Russia coming in, and uh, that influenced anti-Western sentiments, not only America, but um, Crimea became a part of uh, Russia. All of that happened 2012, 13, 14. And so we had to leave Ukraine, which that section is now, that Crimean Peninsula is now, we had to leave there. And as we were searching, God allowed us to visit North Valley Baptist Church, which was one of our supporting churches since 2001. And we were coming through and reporting to churches and God allowed us to, our hearts really to be knit to this place. And uh, through counsel and guidance, we uh, were moved here to serve as missions director at Golden State Baptist College. And then also as Spanish pastor now for the past three years at North Valley Baptist Church. And so that's what we are doing right here and uh, right now. So it's an honor. Amen. Well, there's you packed a lot of information into a very short uh, period of time. And uh, due to time constraints, we don't have maybe the time to flesh out all of that. But amazing testimony of uh, a family uh, serving God as a family, it, it being a, a, a family a thing, not just um, a one generation thing. And, and to, to double down on that for a moment, going back to your grandfather, your, your grandparents and your parents, what would be one um, tip or, or thought, a biblical principle for families that, that want to raise their kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and want their children to do all they can for God? What was it about those generations of Sloans, well, and, and I'm farther back than that, that led you to the place where you are serving God? I, I know it's a personal decision and you had to make choices for yourself, but what, what, what admonition or exhortation would you give to parents that want to raise their children like that? You know, I would say, first of all, uh, focus on your children, focus on your family, because without my family, I don't have a ministry. But if I raise a good family, People want that. And if we need anything in this world, and I deal with families more than any one issue in ministry, I'm dealing with family issues. And mm -hmm. just if I can focus our people on their families and raising a godly family, and how do you raise a child to become a pastor? You don't raise him to become a pastor. How do you raise him uh, to become a missionary? You don't. You raise him, as you said, in the nurture and admission of the Lord, call him to be a pastor. You raise a pastor in your home the same way you would raise a doctor in your home, the same way you would raise a Sunday school teacher in your home, the same way you would raise a missionary or a lawyer or a teacher in your home in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and let God call them. But I do believe that this is a generational thing. Christianity is a generational mm -hmm. thing. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Ruth, Jesse, David. God already had a plan in motion for David to become king generations before David was even born. Right. And whenever we come to Ashcrafts and Sloans and now my wife and I serving, uh, my parents always focused on, on family and we served together. And it was a fun thing. It was never something that uh, we felt like we had to do this. 
it was always a pleasure and a joy. And we memorized scripture together and went to church together and served together. And that's what we've tried to implement with our children as well. We do this uh, together. I try to be at their ball games. I uh, never miss a birthday. Always try to, to be involved in their life because whatever they're doing is the most important thing to their life right now. Amen. At whatever stage that uh, they are. And so it's a family thing. And we love and, and enjoy serving together as a family. And really, a husband and wife serving the Lord together uh, as pastor, as missionaries. And wherever we've been, any area of ministry that I've been involved in, my wife has been right there alongside me. Uh, whether it has been on the mission field or in the pastorate with Spanish or working as missions director or our ministries in uh, Israel and uh, reaching them. My wife has always been alongside me serving there as well. Amen. Amen. Now, you, uh, speaking of Israel, I wanted to get to that for just a moment. Um, obviously, and correct my time frame, you went to the, the, the former Soviet Union, and, and due to d different issues and things, you moved from there. Was it straight from there to Israel? Um, a kind of a kind of linear move there. And, and it talks about that transition a little bit and the opportunities that you have had um, in Israel, a place that obviously um, many Christians are and should be interested in. Uh, but to talk about that for a moment, if you would. Yeah, you know, I think there's a, a, a natural, if you will, although it's supernatural, but mm -hmm. it's, a, it's natural for a Christian to be interested in Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, we love Israel. It's the history, uh, the Old Testament. And so we have a natural love for Israel, or it should be a natural love for Israel. Sure. Um, Anti-Semitism is not Christian, although it's been pegged with Christianity, because when a Jew looks at Christianity, he sees anyone who believes in the crucifix. Right. But biblical Christianity has a love for Israel, whether we are Gentile or Jew, we have a love for Israel. So there's a natural desire to love Israel. Uh, Israel. You know, Ezekiel chapter 5 tells us, God says, this is Jerusalem. I've placed thee in the midst of the nations. And literally, whenever you look at the world map, the ancient world map, or even today, you see that the continents are joined by Israel. You can't go from Asia to, to, to uh, Egypt or to African continents without going through Israel. You can't go from Europe to Egypt or Africa without going through uh, Israel. It was called the, the, the King's Highway, that highway that joined in the uh, land uh, masses and, and the nations of the world. And that's why the gospel says that the gospel, uh, the New Testament says the gospel was to go from Jerusalem, the center of the world, to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the world. And that is the progression that it did follow. In fact, if you look on any map or uh, look on Google and ask where is the middle of the earth, it's going to take you to uh, that sea that is called Meta, in the middle, Terra of the world, Mediterranean. And that is the middle of the world. God chose Israel as the middle of the earth from which the gospel would go forth from which the scriptures would go forth from where our Messiah would come. The first church was a church in Jerusalem. The first Christians were Jewish. The first pastors and missionaries were Jewish. Our Bible comes from 
the Jews. And so we owe a great debt to the Jews. In fact, even in, I'll read Isaiah 49, 6, talking about Israel. He says, I also give thee for a light to the Gentiles. They were the light to us, that thou mayest be my salvation to, to the end of the earth. Well, as we know the history going through the monarchy, the kings, and then captivity, and they were dispersed to the four corners of the earth. But then prophets said that one day they would return from the north. If you look at Israel and go straight north, you'll see Russia. And so coming now a couple of millenniums from that first century, from the captivity and disbursement, the largest group of Jews worldwide were concentrated in the former Soviet Union. So even though there were Jews from the Americas, Asia, and even the Middle East, from other Arab nations, from India, the largest group uh, of Jews were in the former Soviet Union. Now, until 1991, they couldn't leave there. But uh, in 1948, Israel was established as a homeland for the Jews, and uh, they began coming after 1948 by the thousands, tens of thousands. But the one group that could not leave were the Russian Jews. So whenever we went there in the, the early 2000s, there were still a lot of Russian Jews there. Now in 1991, they were able to come, begin coming to Israel, and they came by the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, hmm. to the point where today, over 20% of the population are from the former Soviet Union. The distinction between them and other people groups or other language groups is that they still speak Russian. Whereas the Spaniard Jews or the French Jews or the uh, Latin American Jews or American Jews, they no longer necessarily speak their own language. Hmm. But the Russian Jews still speak their own language, still have their own culture, and still have, if you will, their own religion or more properly said, non-religion. Hmm. So they're Jewish by blood, but by culture and by religion, really, they're not Jewish. Hmm. So the Lord allowed us to go and minister specifically with them. So in our churches in the former Soviet Union, we had a lot of Jews, a lot of Jewish believers who had friends there or relatives there. And they would ask us if we would go there and minister to them. And so in our travels and all that we did, we would always spend time with friends and family members of our church members back in the former Soviet Union. And so the Lord opened the door. So it wasn't a direct move whenever we were removed from the former Soviet Union. It was we were making trips about two or three uh, times a year, spending weeks there every year with my wife uh, serving there. And uh, it's only about a two hour flight from Ukraine over the Black Sea, over Turkey, Syria, and then into um, Israel. And so that's kind of how all of that happened. Well, I, um, as I mentioned, you have a knack for putting more information into a short period of time than than many guests I interview. That's not a knock against them. You just, you, you, you put a lot, a lot of information in. Um, and I, I'm sure we could parse out so, so many parts of that. Um, but, and, and not, 
you know, patting you on the back, or, but it gives you much um, opportunities to witness. How many, how many languages do you speak in, in any sort of, and maybe you could tell us how much of each or whatever the case may be. Four or five. So okay. um, Spanish, obviously, I grew up with Spanish right. and I understand a little bit of Portuguese. There's a dialect down there that we also speak where I grew up, but then Russian and Ukrainian and then a little bit of Russian sign language and then a couple of words in, in Hebrew. But primarily what we've used in the former Soviet Union and in Israel has been Russian and, and Ukrainian. Understood. So you, you, what, I cut off for just a moment. You, you, did you say 20% about of Israeli residents are Russian or thereabouts are Russian Jews? Is that correct? Right, right, right. So if you imagine, you know, 1948, 600,000 people living in the land of Israel. At the time, it was called the land of Palestine. 600,000. From that point, you're going to have German Jews coming, Polish Jews coming, Eastern European Jews, Western European Jews coming, Latin American from Argentina, Brazil, Mexico, Ecuador, uh, America, and then obviously from captivity time, even uh, still held their culture mm -hmm. and the religion throughout all those millennia. So whenever they come here, everyone basically came from another country, right? other than the original 600,000 who basically did come from another country um, in recent years. So it, for the last 70 years, basically all of these, everyone you meet, one of the first questions you ask them to learn about them is, okay, where did your family migrate come from? Hmm. Morocco, you know, Tunisia, uh, Germany, Iraq, and, and whatnot. So understanding everyone basically is from somewhere else, one generation removed. Hmm. But as I mentioned, the largest group would be from the former Soviet Union, over 20% of them. Well, and as you mentioned, you your, the language you speak, Russian, Ukrainian, the uh, language is, gives you a, a huge opportunity to, to minister and, and to witness to, to these folks. Now, kind of, an, I guess maybe an odd question. What do you find more difficult to witness to a religious Jew or a non-religious Jew? Because I'm sure the, the maybe the athe atheism or, or whatever it can be, can present maybe as many difficulties, which is more difficult? So, uh, you know, 95% believe in God. Okay. So you don't meet many atheist Jews, although okay. there are some. Okay. But it wouldn't be as prevalent as in the the Western world or European world. Sure. A religious Jew is going to be very devout and would not believe that the Messiah already come right. has come. So that would obviously be very difficult. But I love talking with them because they know their scriptures, mm -hmm. and you better know your scriptures if you're going to be talking with them. I never get into a debate with them, but I love asking them questions. And uh, I will ask them a question about the Shekinah glory. Tell me about the Shekinah glory. And they have an amazing insight in the Shekinah glory. Tell me about the priesthood. Uh, tell me about the covenant. And, uh, and then tell me about what Jeremiah says about a new covenant that is coming. That'll be written in our hearts. And, uh, and then I let them begin asking questions of me as well. And we have a, a great dialogue there with be honest with you of uh, uh, my age and younger, find no hope and no assurance and no peace 
and no forgiveness uh, in the Jewish law. Hmm. And so they will ask my wife and I, how do you have such peace? You have something that we don't have. And that's actually something that Moses said that, that they would do. In Deuteronomy, Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by a people who are not a people. That's what we're hmm. called. Those are the Gentiles. We are called a people who are not a people. A nation who is not a nation. The Gentiles, the outcasts, the strangers that are among you. We always knew that we were not the chosen. But we knew who were. We hmm. knew the Jews were chosen ones. And so we knew the light would come from them. And yet, whenever we get to the New Testament, Paul repeats in Romans what Moses said, I'll provoke you to jealousy by a people who are not a people. We see that evident today whenever we go to Israel and we sing. We sing to God. We sing the Psalms. We have a joy in our heart that the law does not give. We have a peace and assurance of heaven. We have a forgiveness that the law does not provide for. The law doesn't forgive. The law condemns. The law doesn't give life. The law condemns to death. And so what we have now is a new law by grace. And Joel said there will come a day when uh, any, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's Joel chapter 2. That's repeated in Romans chapter 10. And so whenever they see that in us, they say, what do you have that we don't have? Well, we worship God. Well, we do too. Oh, we have the scriptures. Well, we do too. Well, we have the Holy Spirit. Who is that? And we have Jesus as our Messiah. And so we're able through that to be able to witness to them. And so a lot of times it's just through conversing with them. And my wife and I will stay for days at uh, someone's home and just have Bible study with them and answer questions and spend time with them. And that's how that, and we've seen more, if you want to say non-religious, sure. begin to have more questions and, and search for the truth and search for the light. And it's an honor for us now to see that full circle, to, to be able to take the gospel back to the place and to the people who initially gave it to us. Amen. Amen. Well, we're butting up against uh, time. I know that you have many responsibilities. You know, I'm sure being a Spanish pastor and a missions director and teaching classes and all those things don't come with any you know, time constraints and things. And so I appreciate you taking a few moments. It uh, wet my, my appetite again. It seems like every time mm -hmm. you know, we can talk about this, we can just talk for hours and hours. I appreciate your investment through uh, um, our Israel trip with you and things. And in short, mm -hmm. is there another Golden State Israel trip scheduled for sometime soon? Yeah, so we had one in January of this year as well. Okay. And uh, then we have it every other year. So I think you went two years ago. Yes. With your wife and then great trip. And then we do it every other year. So tentatively, we have it scheduled for 2021. And uh, incidentally, today, pray for Israel. They are in elections today. Okay. And so I have a lot of colleagues and friends that are uh, running for office and so just pray for israel today and pray for the peace of jerusalem amen and uh, the bible says they are prospered that love thee amen well thank you thank you thank you again wet my appetite i may have to do it again sometime in the future maybe in person 
Thank you so much for the song. If sure. you'll stick around for just a moment, we'll sign off. Any sure. last words, thank please go ahead. Thank you for your ministry and thank you for loving the Lord and thank you for helping others to uh, follow whatever it is that God has called them to do. And I encourage everyone just to seek God's face, seek his will, seek his purpose and be faithful to him. Thank you, Brother McCurry. Amen. Stick around for just a moment. We'll sign off. This has been Mike McCurry Live number 35 with Brother David Sloan. Highly encourage you to check out that Israel trip coming up here in a year and a half or so. You will not be disappointed.